Hey, welcome to Happy Tears! I'm Brandon. And I am Nick, and this is Happy Tears, a podcast where two sensitive boys talk about the art that they love so much so that it often brings them to tears. And we happen to have a third sensitive boy on mic with us today in the form of none other than youtube.com slash homagebeats himself. His name goes by the name of Derek Simpson, his given Christian name. (laughs) That music that uh, you just heard was composed by him. He made the theme music for Happy Tears, and now he's here with us. What's up, Homage? What's going on, guys? Super excited to be here. Today on the podcast, we are talking through Tame Impala's new album, The Slow Rush, with Homage. (laughs) YouTube.com slash Homage Beats with us. And this is Happy Tears. So what we like to do on the podcast is uh, start off with some recommendations, and this week I don't really have any. That is a first. I know. Wow. I probably do, but <laughs> don't have the energy to seek it out. That's all right. Yeah. You've put the team on your back for 20 episodes. Mm. <laughs> Give us some of your ricks. Well, none of what I've been doing is new, yeah. but uh, I've been going through the Hayao Miyazaki box set, Blu-ray mm. box set. So I've been watching a ton of anime lately, and it's been great. How many have you gone through? I have watched six anime films in the last two weeks. I'm going to Japan, Derek, in six weeks. Dang. I'm doing 10 days in Tokyo. I've been trying to catch up with, I love anime, so I've been watching a lot of anime. And then I'm going to try to catch up with as much like Japanese cinema as I can before I go and just be crazy pop cultured out. Um, but yeah, I just watched Princess Mononoke the other night. I've mm-hmm. watched, I'm watching them in order, so I've watched six of his movies up to Princess Mononoke. I think that one came out in like 97. Um, the first one came out in like 80 or 77 or something. Like, so I've watched like 20 years worth of anime films, and it's been so much fun. I love those movies. I love the style and the uh, whimsy of a lot of them. Yeah. Um, I know that you're a big uh, Ponyo boy. Mm-hmm. I love me some Ponyo. I have not seen Ponyo. But I'm going to watch it soon. Derek, do you, are you an anime boy? Have you watched any of this stuff or is it not at all your thing? Uh, most of what you're talking about, uh, I have like a loose, like I've heard of it before. Right. Anime is a, a different world for me, a world that I've tried to venture into and still am actively interested in. I think my first intro in anime was One Punch Man. So Really? Yeah. I wouldn't mind getting a, like a recommendation list from you off off air by the way oh bro yeah i got you (laughs) i love i love the aesthetics of anime but i just haven't like committed time to it if you will so yeah i mean i'll I'll give you the one recommendation it's a series but i think everyone should watch cowboy bebop i think Mm. it's very western it's it's about space cowboys basically and it's like this cool mix of cowboys in space and kung fu and guns and swords and stuff and uh it's only like it's like 26 half hour episodes so it's pretty easy to consume it all and it's my favorite by far and it's awesome nice yeah but we can we can talk more uh. i've watched cowboy bebop or not cowboy uh samurai shampoo samurai shampoo is awesome i just yeah. actually finished that uh, a couple weeks ago so yeah so that's the only thing that i'm working through these days and i'm watching high fidelity right now which i think you and i have talked about potentially covering 
covering on the podcast, so I will save all my thoughts all right. until later. But since we have Derek, a.k.a. YouTube.com slash HowMuchBeats <laughs> here with us, let's talk to him because we're going to get into this Tame Impala album. And you're a musician. This is like you you are a, a composer by trade. Full t- like this, that's your life, right? Wow. Well, a composer feels like a very... Uh... <laughs> I'll I'll take it by by far. Sometimes I feel like what I'm doing is piecing sounds together into something that I think sounds good, and uh, it turns out some other people usually like the sound as well. So I'm a hip hop beat maker, uh, producer. Yeah, I'm pretty much a hip hop head when it comes to production, and um, I think that that ties into this album really well because you know as we'll get into later, Kevin Parker loves his drums. And he likes yeah, them aloud. For sure. How long have you been uh, producing? Um, so I actually started messing around with production by way of DJing in 2011 um, and started just kind of evolving from there. In a lot of ways, I still feel like I'm pretty early on in my journey. What are some of the, I guess, artists or styles that you really gravitated towards in the beginning or even now? I think early on, pretty much the first time I listened to Dilla was like a moment. I, I definitely like, I know it's kind of cliche. A lot of people have their quote unquote Dilla moment, JD, James E.N.C. moment. But for me, I, I kind of had this moment when I heard a specific beat by him e equals MC squared. Let's go. Up until that point, I hadn't really like done a deep, deep, deep dive into hip hop. But when I heard that, I was like mind blown by the feel. Like the way that it made me feel was just like absolutely mind blowing. And that was in like 2009 or so. And I was like, at some point, I want to figure out how to make somebody feel the way that listening to that made me feel. In, in a weird kind of way. And so, you know, fast forward, eventually I was like, how do I figure out how to do this? And, and that, you know, led me down the roads of uh, getting further and further into like hip hop production, Pete Rock, DJ Premier, um, you know, digging into like old old styles and techniques and, and, um, and then just kind of evolved from there. So I would say that uh, like the golden era of hip hop and then like mid to later 90s, and even, you know, early 2000s hip hop is really what kind of like grabbed me as far as uh, sound wise goes. And then I, I kind of evolved from there. So, yeah, one of my favorite memories with Derek was going to Dilla Day in Detroit. Uh, so Derek just had a birthday. So happy birthday, Derek. Happy birthday. Hey, thank you. And so for his uh, birthday, they have this uh, event called Dilla Day in Detroit that uh, celebrates Jay Dilla and his life, and they had uh, some amazing performers and stuff there. But we drove from Chicago to Detroit, and it's very cold in, in February in, in Detroit and in Chicago. Yeah, it was just one of my—we we drove <laughs> back to Chicago quite late, and we're doing everything we could to stay uh, keep up the energy in the car so we didn't get sleepy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think I think in general, like, the main— thing that set apart this specific sound that attracted me to like uh that specific style of hip-hop was just how like organic everything felt like there was a lot of i don't know when we were in middle school or high school there's like really popular hip-hop that just kind of sounded like really computer generated 
at times and like even even when i was getting into production like edm was huge at the time and so you know trying to figure out how to make something that sounded more warm and organic and analog was a really fascinating thing for me and still is to this day and i think that's something that is really attracted me to tame impala as recent album specifically mm-hmm. so so obviously with dilla being a huge influence and in, and in like uh, a real thing that kind of broke your brain early uh how much were you like uh screaming at the speakers when you were listening to us try to talk through d'angelo's record or did we do okay <laughs> Oh, I thought you guys did great. I have a really interesting relationship with uh, the Happy Tears podcast because I usually listen on Saturdays. And Saturdays, right now, I'm kind of in the middle of training for a marathon. So, and Saturday is like Damn. my long run day. <laughs> and so I listen to <laughs> Happy Tears when I'm on this really long, you know, just run. <laughs> yeah. So it's it it's always like I kind of can zone out and and listen to what you guys have to say and it was it was fun cuz in a lot of ways while Brandon and I have listened to that um album together, you know, maybe not start to finish, but we've definitely listened to um a lot of the album together. It was cool to kind of hear you guys go back and forth and and break down different moments and then kind of talking about like the history and the feel and everything that went into it was was really entertaining so thanks Derek I'm fishing for those compliments and (laughs) I'm I'm getting nibbles (laughs) Nick I think you do have soul (laughs) yes that was the best thing that could have happened in that interaction Yeah, so this is Happy Tears, and obviously we are sensitive sad boys, sometimes happy boys. Yeah. (laughs) That was a very earnest, yeah, yeah, we are. We often cry at art, right? And that's what we're doing here. So what was the last time that you remember having happy tears? Wow. Well, I have to be completely honest. Um, When Brandon asked me to be on this podcast, I was a little bit intimidated because I couldn't remember the last time I actually had happy tears. And so I realized, (laughs) I realized (laughs) that for me, maybe my happy tears meter is a little bit less intense if you will. So I know for me, I know for me, like I never actually have the tear running down my face, but I get chills all over my whole body. (laughs) So for me, that equates to happy tears. But I will say, um, you know, listening to uh, posthumous forgiveness definitely gave me all the feels kind of in a good way, kind of in a just like ripped my heart out a little bit thinking about that and we'll we'll get into that later but i think that was definitely the most recent that's perfect i think we're gonna have some synergy <laughs> on that one <laughs> yeah uh i guess going off of that then do you have is there something like a really any form of art or media but um you know particularly for you since you are a producer is there like a, a song that kind of always guaranteed a an emotional response as far as like an emotional like reflective response i think the number one song for me is sing about me i'm dying of thirst by kendrick lamar uh nice this song to me is like i can relate to it in a lot of ways that maybe the original song didn't quite intend you know you have kendrick lamar sharing these experiences of of people that he's around and then sharing his experience and in a lot of ways it Every time I hear it, it just 
causes me to reflect on like I guess memento mori right this idea that like we're all mortal and like at the end of the day like what you're putting into the world what you're creating um you know like will it live on will you make an impact by yeah yeah. um sharing your experience with the world if you will and so yeah that one that one definitely gets me there's a line where he says and i hope that at least one of you sing about me when i'm gone am i worth it did i put enough work in and this is kind of like a to me i don't necessarily want I don't necessarily listen to this and think, oh, I want people to sing about me. But I think it's more like a metaphor of like, are you putting yourself out into the world? And are you like inspiring others and being truest to who you are? And like, literally, did I put enough work in to me is like, whoa, like, you know, it just it just gets me. So um, yeah. and then the ending with uh, the ending and the way the song transitions is definitely in general like really emotional as the story concludes from the album. So it's a great answer. One of my uh, mortal sins as a hip hop fan is I've never listened to good kid, mad city. Like, and so that's going to be right. Look at it. <laughs> look at his face. Like I have always wanted to. And then I think about something else <laughs> and then, but, but I think that I, I legitimately think to pimp a butterfly is the greatest album to come out of last decade so yeah it's a crazy and now i'll have to for sure eventually go and listen to a good kid mad city (laughs) especially now that you've given a strong recommendation well i think for that song from what i can tell the reason is that it's not you don't want to give it like a in your mind it's it's like a a landmark kind of album and you don't want to just like throw it on and uh kind of like casually right it's intimidating yeah super intimidating it is there's just so many things to consume out there so it's just hard i've also never seen the goonies people give me a lot of shit for that so (laughs) (laughs) i will get there and that's a great happy tear thank you what say gentlemen that we get into the slow rush by tame impala Mm, i'm about it let's do it i'm about to So Brandon, uh, first of all, intro this album a little bit for me. Uh, what uh, this is the third, fourth, fourth, fourth studio album from Tame Impala, aka Kevin Parker. Uh, yeah, so he hadn't released an album in quite a while. Is it five years? I think so. Currents came out five years ago, so it's kind of a long-awaited album from Kevin Parker. Uh, he does. He's known for doing all of the. Uh, like instrumentation and, and production on his his albums and you know when he performs these live he he's got a full band with him but yeah he's had three pretty big albums before this that all kind of had a different sound to them and um, you can kind of hear different influences in those starting with inner speaker then lonerism and then currents I've liked all of all of those projects I think I'm if I have to I don't know. I feel like I'm maybe partial to lonerism, but that's only as of late because I got really into inner speaker early on. So there's, and then I do like currents, but inner speaker was kind of like maybe my like favorite just because of my relationship with it. But I think lonerism, if I had to choose, I'd probably say that is his best album, but that's just my opinion. Well, I think in general, I probably did more of a deep dive into tame Impala just last year to be completely honest um when currents came out i listened to it but 
it kind of has an interesting relationship with where I was at as far as music production, because I wasn't quite at that point where I was like diving super deep into that, into the craft. And so, um, you know, I was listening to it, currents kind of in the background of, you know, as I was doing other things, it's like, Oh, this is cool. It's dreamy. It feels good, whatever. Um, but then this past year when I was living in Bali, I like did a deep dive on Kevin Parker. And when you're in Bali, there's like Australians all around you. And so um, it's only natural that you just like dive deep into Tame Impala. And so I have really, really fond memories of walking on the beach, listening to Currents and like just like over and over listening to it and and like kind of taking in all that is that album um so that i think currents is definitely a high for me um specifically from a music production standpoint i think it connects with me more so than maybe lonerism or or inner speaker so nick why don't you tell us about your relationship with kevin uh yeah so it is uh Kevin, Kevin. Yeah, I was telling you before we started recording that I think The Less I Know the Better, which is from the last album, is one of the the best songs of the last decade. Like I made my my decade playlist and it's in the top 5. Like I think it's incredible. I've never heard anything that perfectly catchy but yet still kind of this progressive rock uh style. I know that you think think that there are better songs off of that album. <laughs> I, yeah, but I I understand. <laughs> I understand yeah. where you're coming from and like the guitar riff on that is like instantly like just grabs you by the heartstrings, right. right? Totally. Speaking of Cowboy Bebop, holy shit. So there's this awesome, <laughs> here's how I'm going to get you to watch Cowboy Bebop is somebody took that song and made a music video only out of clips from that show and it's fucking incredible oh. i'll put it in the show notes i'm gonna send it to you as soon as we're done recording because right. you'll be like damn i'm gonna watch this show <laughs> sounds good i'm in um but as i've stated many times on this podcast and you've probably heard it before derek that i am much more of a singles boy than a full-on album listener so uh i haven't really listened to much beyond the singles that i've heard from this man so or from this guy so uh Obviously, that song, Always Going Backwards, or Only Go... What Feels is it? Feels like we only go backwards. Yeah, I mean, so, like, stuff that's played on the that's radio... That's a personal or, favorite of mine, by the way. It's a great song. Yeah. I've heard some songs, and I like, I've like i liked all of them, but I've never really dived into this band's catalog, which is every time we talk about anyone on this podcast. And Brand, this whole, the whole point of this thing, if people haven't figured it out yet, is for Brandon to show me what good music means. So... <laughs> No, it's not. Other than Frank Ocean. That's the only thing that I'm like, <laughs> I'm, I'm up to date. Yeah, I got it. Got everything. <laughs> nice. I was actually really stoked to, to get into this album and um, spent a little bit of time going back through Currents, but I, I haven't finished it. And I, I'm going to, just like Good Kid Mad City, I'm going to go back and listen to the, uh, the earlier catalog of some of these great artists. And uh, yeah, but I, I enjoyed this album and I'm excited to talk about it. Before we do dive into track by track... As you guys are the resident Tame Impala fans, how does this album compare to their old stuff? Yeah, so it definitely has a different um, a different feel. Like a lot of his previous albums have kind of taken um, influence from like maybe a particular decade or genre. And this one does a little bit of the same, but I think it kind of pulls from all, uh, all of his previous work. I mean, production's always been like a huge 
Um, he's kind of like an obsessive producer and he always kind of has really great production on his album. So I think that remains true on this one. Yeah, I just like instantly recognizable production, really slick. Only time will tell, but I think that I appreciate this as much as I do most of like his other work. So I think it's like a really, it's a cool step forward for him. I think critical reception has kind of been hit or miss. Um, a lot of people really love it. You know, people think it's some of their favorite stuff, but there's, I think, some more pop elements on here, too, that we will get into um, that are really interesting. I'm, I guess I'm just glad that I didn't, we didn't get, like, the same, something that he's done before, so I'm, I'm definitely happy with it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, it seems like this is kind of the natural next step, if you will, in the sense that it's, like, loosely, okay, this is still Kevin Parker, but you can tell that in my opinion at least you can tell that he's you know progressed in five years even since currents as far as like a production standpoint i mean there's so many nuances on here that that i picked up on they're just like whoa like mind-blowing and and maybe it's just because we haven't had a, a tame impala record for five years that it's like right you know comes all rushing back to you but um you know i definitely slowly or definitely slowly <laughs> the slow the slow rush back um that's the uh that's the remix <laughs> album but yeah i i uh when it comes to like listening through albums uh especially or at least for me like when i when i know everything that goes into it from a production standpoint and then understanding that like kevin's doing all of this by himself pretty much it's completely mind-blowing to me and then on top of that to add basically you know uh, a new sound or like a, a new direction that still is like true to him is something to me that's like uh super inspiring um and uh i thoroughly enjoyed it so yeah and from some of the stuff that i read about the album it seems to be a little more contemplative lyrically at least you know than some of the previous stuff at least according to the, some of the critics yeah um a lot of themes about time and regret hope for the, like i think time is a huge thing both looking back and looking forward on this uh, album and i thought a lot of the lyrics were pretty interesting mm -hmm. yeah a little maybe more introspective than than some of his previous albums but yeah yeah i mean even on that note I thought it was interesting. There's an interview where he talks about how um, inner speaker and lonerism were kind of like him learning how to talk about intimate details through his lyrics. And then like lonerism, you get like more of his intimate details and then currents. It's like him literally talking about what's going on in his life. And then, you know, it's just kind of a natural progression there. So I thought that was really interesting just from like a lyrical standpoint. Um, you know, this idea that like you can talk about directly what's happening in your life versus like having to go through like metaphors and stuff as some of the earlier albums. So, yeah. And even if we're talking on a technical level, like often, and it's not like they're crazy up front here, but often his vocals will be kind of pretty deep in the mix and mm -hmm. not be like the main focus anyways. Right. Exactly. Um, so the lyrics, aren't, the lyrics aren't the first thing I think of when I think of Tame and Paul. For sure. Yeah, so speaking of time, there are a lot of tracks on this album that straight up refer to time in the title, and that is exemplified by number one, a song called One More Year. Pretty cool way to start an album, I think. 
Yeah, I love the the intro to this. I think it definitely is kind of like a captivating intro, like thematically. Uh, I mean, like you said, it's titled One More Year, but also it just sets up the, the tone for the whole album musically as well. I really love like the backbeat on, on this, uh, kind of like this driving backbeat on this song. Like I even hear it, like when you were just playing the, the intro, that's kind of, it has no, no beat yet. And it's like, I just automatically hear that um, even before it drops. Mm. Yeah, it feels kind of like a like an electronic echo chamber or something. Mm. Like I, I, the vocal effect, because they're layered and there's this like tremolo effect on it, right? Mm-hmm. And there's all this echo, which is like you're just being surrounded, enveloped by sound yeah. in, in a really cool way. The gated vocal is just like, it, it pulls you right in. Like right when you hear that right at the beginning, it definitely sucks you in. I think it's a fantastic like intro song. <laughs> This is one of my favorite songs. Like, it's funny because I'm not sure if it would, if it was like in the middle of the album, I'm not sure where I'd rank it. But I think because it was the introduction to this and how great of an opener it is, I I really, really love it. And I, there's a part where it kind of, he goes, he's talking all these like specifics, like 12 months. Yeah. Right. He like breaks them out. like right after that he does the uh from today and it just drops and it's like my favorite part of the song yeah i thought it was interesting just adding on the gated vocal because i'm kind of nerding out about it but i think it's interesting how that melody if you will yeah it's a melody but it's more like used as a rhythm here like like brandon was saying it comes in but it like sets the tone as far as rhythm goes because it's like gated and 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 so you see Kevin like experimenting with like the melody being the rhythm before the drums actually even come in. I, th- I think that's an, a really interesting. Uh, I don't know. I, I I find that fascinating. Yeah, it's it's super dope. And feel free to nerd out all the way through this. Like <laughs> the, the a huge part of, of why I'm so stoked to have you here is your technical knowledge and of of how these tracks get built. So hell yeah, dude, rock on. <laughs> Yeah, when they when that from today comes in though, and it's like repeated, I'm just I'm all about that. Yeah, those lyrics right there, and then he said, uh, "Not worrying if I get the right amount of sleep, not caring if we do the same thing every week." Like really interesting, uh, like circling back to the theme of time. <laughs> Great. So, uh, track two is titled Instant Destiny. I really like this song. Tell me why. I think that it's really catchy right out the gate. You guys tell me. You guys are more Team Impala fans to me, but it seems 
it seems like the appeal of this band, if I'm going to be reductionist and try to like just pick a couple of things, it's like they have a, a very progressive psychedelic rock vibe that he's able to kind of bottle into this uh, accessible kind of pop lane. And so he's, he's able to take some sounds and expressions that are not necessarily usually used in music that is popular and, and able to synthesize it in a way to make it so. And this song is a great example of that, of coming right out the gate with a what I think is a catchy hook, and uh, I think it's cool. <laughs> Did I stick the landing there? <laughs> that was perfect, Nick. Am I full of shit or? <laughs> no, no, I think that's a, I think that's a really, really great observation because I think maybe the things that attract me to Tame Impala or versus maybe some other people might be very different. And I think I enjoy like the super psychedelic elements of it. Um, whereas, you know, maybe most people might be like, hey, you know, this is a really cool, unique pop song, if you will. Yeah, for sure. And and it's worth noting, like on this album, we had already talked about some of the uh, influences in terms of genre in the past, but I think that, yeah, a lot more like pop and even like disco influences definitely show up across the album. And this one in particular, I felt was just very like blissful pop kind of sound. It's real like lovey-dovey type song. <laughs> and I do like the uh, the ending of this track, the way it kind of flourishes. I think it, um, this and maybe the next one, Borderline, are two tracks that both feel like they could fit on earlier albums. Having not listened to a ton of them, maybe you guys can correct me, but they do fit in, I think, a lot with the vibe of the last album. The later, I think he gets a little more, I don't think, I don't know if experimental is the right word, but I think if you're talking about the balance of progressive psychedelic rock and, and some of these other elements and then kind of pop music, the the front half of this album or the first three or four songs, first three songs are the closest to the pop side of it. And then he gets a little more out there as he goes. Agree, disagree. No, I guess I, I feel like the opener is kind of more, I don't know, I don't feel like I've heard a song like, like One More Year it feels dancier to me, I guess. I'm not Does it sure. almost feel like exactly a little bit what? M83-ish? Yeah. I buy that. Hmm. What about two and three? Um, Which version of three? Album version. <laughs> Maybe. I do feel like that the... Um, I don't know. I'm trying to think of where, where they would fit. If they don't, you can hit the button. <laughs> <laughs> I disagree. I disagree, Gary. That's the first time the Sandler button has been invoked. No, I don't know if I totally disagree. I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to work through it. Yeah. I don't instantly, <laughs> I don't instantly hop on board, but I'm thinking about it. All right. Well, I think an interesting thing to talk about here is um, when you think about like the, the way that this album is like, especially these first three songs, like you're talking about. Yeah, they have like really broad like pop appeal in that sense, but I think they're really like dirty. Like usually when you hear pop, it's very like polished and like usually the vocals are in your face. And obviously this is the Tame Impala sound, right? But I think that's what makes it uniquely like it's hard to 
I guess, fit it into one of those areas. Because, like, Borderline, I mean, he made the drums even dirtier. They're so crunchy, and, like, you would not really hear that on maybe an uh, a really polished, like, pop. I don't know. Is that yeah. fair? <laughs> well, that's totally fair. You guys think I'm an idiot. No, no, no. I'm just kidding. No, I think you... Well, no, you're saying that <laughs> you think Borderline, this new version would fit on one of his previous albums. Not, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I can... I think I can see that. Yes! That's all I wanted! <laughs> now we can move on. <laughs> uh, yeah, let's talk about track number three, Borderline. I think this is the first single that ended up on the yeah, oh, album because Patience right. didn't uh, didn't end up on the album. But yeah, this is a different version of Borderline that was initially released as a single. It's definitely a beefier version, and drums and and bass are definitely more prominent. It has that really cool synthy bass. This is another track. Maybe maybe it really just comes down to the hook. Maybe that's why I'm I'm getting stuck on this pop mm. thing because I think this track and the previous track have the catchiest hooks of of the whole Absolutely. album. And this song, I, I really like the the hook. I think it's catchy and fun. And I really think I, if we're looking back at both versions, I do like both of them. I think this one fits better on the album mainly because I think it provides a little oomph that it needed after how light uh, Instant Destiny felt. Um, I think it could have kind of maybe floated away a little bit on me, but this one kind of the drums and and the bass really grabbed me. So I do I do think it was a good choice to do that for the album version. I think he's really good with bass lines. I, I'm constantly impressed by, and they're not just. It's not like he's not flea. You know, he's not doing like crazy shit. He's yeah. just like they're just kind of interesting. They serve unusual, the songs really well. Yeah, right. Dude. Yeah, and so so this this song I really like. I like the bass riff yeah i feel like a lot of times they just seem like something that it's like man i feel like i've heard this i mean they sound new but it's like they also sound like oh i could have heard this before like it it's in the realm of of uh music i like but it, it still has this like new sounding quality i, I think guess. that's what exactly what you mean nick it feels like you've heard it before aha I'll take it. <laughs> am, sure. I, am I completely off? I, no, I don't think so. I think it's there is something familiar about it. Maybe even nostalgic? Maybe. Or maybe I just think it sounds like his earlier work. <laughs> and that's. Uh, but I, I still like this yeah. song. But it's, the, it's probably the one that I think most could fit on like Currents. But I don't know. I don't, I'm not saying that's a good or a bad thing. Yeah, I really only have one more thing to say. I just really like the, the kind of call and response type of... Uh, bridge and and like the synth sounds i think are super interesting yeah the bridge is great the whole like he i mean it's just him singing and even it's not even a direct call and response in the lyrics but it, he sings higher and then lower and higher and lower it's a cool little feature of the track i like you guys want to move on to track number four, Posthumous Forgiveness? I'm down. So the first thing I'll say about this track is 
that guitar riff, the dun 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 mm-hmm. dun, immediately makes me think of Redbone every time. Yeah. Oh uh, man, I feel like this is two songs. I guess part one to me is like him in a weird way getting out all of his feelings and kind of like a little bit of anger. And like you hear that with this sense where it's like da da da. The synth is almost like punching you in the face and then he's like telling like to his dad, did you know how these actions that you did would like make me feel or like affect me as I'm like trying to mature as a as a child and, and all of those things. It's almost like he gets all his feelings out and it's super reflective in the music and then it completely changes and it's completely opposite where he's just like, you know, that's where you get the title and it's part two. And you get him basically being like, yeah, you know, I I just wish you were still here that I could, you know, tell you about my life, you know, play you my songs and like sing along with you and tell you about this time that, you know. Yeah, because his, his father, his father passed and it's clear that he didn't have a, uh, a great relationship with him. And he's pretty honest about that on here, but also kind of reflects on how he wishes that that could have been you know, different and he wishes he could, yeah, his dad can experience the Kevin that, that uh, is now. And it's just another play on the, the time thing, I think as well. But I didn't have an immediate, I still don't know how, like, I think thematically and in, in content wise, I really um, found this to be a moving track, I'm, but musically I'm not, I didn't like instantly connect and I'm, I think I like it more as time goes on, but it's, like this was also released as a single and I don't really know why (laughs) I agree yeah I don't think it's a great single um but it did uh, it did grow on me after repeated listening so I had the same thing like the first time I heard it I was like I guess that's fine Mm -hmm. um but then you know learning about his situation with his father having having context helps right right um but I do love there's a lot of creepy elements to this song Derek, you were talking about those uh, those kind of heavy downbeats. Da-na-na-na-na. I, I love those. And then there's a bridge that's like these, it's like um, like a harpsichord or yeah. something. Like it, it, it sounds like if, it, creepy is the word I'm going to use, but it's, it's, it's almost like if Dracula wrote a psych rock song. <laughs> like, It, it, you're right that there. I mean, there's a very definitive two parts to this yeah. song, right? It feels like two separate songs. But I do like the switch up, and I think the vocal melodies of the of that second half are are kind of interesting and cool. throughout are, are pretty sad but really at the end th- this was the only happy t- and we'll talk about it later but this is the only real happy tears moment mm-hmm. i had during this album just those lyrics uh want to play you all my songs learn the words sing along like it's you know it's about regret and it's about wanting his his father didn't get to see him have success they he died before tame impala became this gigantic band mm-hmm. you know and so uh it is uh 
pretty sad. Agreed. Yeah. Well, I didn't. This was the only single that I didn't listen to like before the album came out, and I think I'm really glad that I didn't listen to it as a single. Yeah. No. I. I think that that would. I wish I would have done that. I think I listened to three, and I think I kind of heard the fourth one. But I, I had an interesting question. I'll just bring up now since we're talking about the singles. But is there a number of singles that you think is just right to release beforehand because it's kind of a seems like a trend where occasionally like artists will over release and then you feel like you've had too much time with the song that you either end up forming an opinion before it's in in the context or it just seems like oh i'm a little bit tired of this already or it's just like you don't get enough new material when you actually when that album actually drops i guess i'll set this up by answering it first (laughs) I, i feel i feel like two is a good a good number like uh one it's like you don't really get too much of a grasp of what you're getting into two i think gives you you know two scoops nice and uh or i'd prefer either two or nothing i think two or nothing mm-hmm. you wouldn't want just one i mean maybe but i i like going in completely blind to an album and i also if you were going to release singles i don't think you should do more than two because britney howard just did stay high right um, Before the album? No. Did Georgia come out? No. I think Georgia and um, I think there was three before. Wow. Yeah. I, I but it's think, also, I mean, obviously you could choose not to listen, but it's, yeah. I, I, get, I, I get think too two is, is my, is where my gut went also. But I think if it's a longer album, if there's 16 songs on it, right. eh, maybe, maybe three is fine. Yeah. I definitely take that in consideration as well. And, and also I think the style of, uh, the genre of music matters. If it's a straight up pop record, I, I, you know, there's different strategy. I think it sure. goes into that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, two is my vote. How about you, Derek? Well, I think in general, two is probably a solid choice. I think that there's, it gets tough because of the way that people consume music right now. It is single heavy and playlist right. heavy. And so I can see why artist would push for more than two singles and i can also see why labels would force artists to maybe release more than two singles um and i i I think it just depends on the genre too like i think maybe pop might be different than hip-hop might be different than rock as a a general rule of thumb so yeah i was guessing less of like a strategy thing and more just what how many songs preference yeah Yeah, how many songs do you how many songs is too many songs for you to hear before i guess what i really meant was like personally like how many songs is too many for i'm always so late to to get to everything that it doesn't really matter (laughs) like i i usually with my normal listening habits won't even i'll probably hear one maybe before Mm -hmm. But I'm I'm always so late to the I haven't even listened to Good Kid Mad City. Have I told you that? <laughs> <laughs> but two sounds good. So the next track is called Breathe Deeper. It's track number five. And it's another favorite of mine. It is kind of a banger of a track, Nick. Those instrumentals are dope. Derek, this is kind of falls in the uh, the hip hop mm. lane a little bit here. I think this one has some definitely some radio potential. I can imagine this being a, a big single too. So kind of right off the bat, I love 
I love the the drum fills as well. Like I, I love the you can kind of hear them throughout, but the, it's got a super groovy beat and like this hypnotic hook, super dancey, dope piano stabs, kind of all of the above. Where are you at, Derek? Uh, have you ever? Well, you guys have heard "Juicy" by Biggie, correct? Yes. Correct. So everyone, I hope, has heard that song. But that song samples uh, <laughs> M. Tume, "Juicy Free." So if you listen to Mtume Juicy Fruit, it's like almost the, I mean, it's heavily inspired. Uh, I don't want to go so far as to say that um, that it was stolen by any means uh, or even sampled, right. but I think it's heavily inspired by that, whether subliminally or on purpose. And I think that's fantastic. I love that that it um, it's like at least that that that's my initial thought is like, yo, this is you know this is juicy fruit yeah. and um so i think there's like a lot of nostalgia to that i think it's uh, like going back to what you said earlier nick it's like oh i feel like i've kind of relatively heard this before and that's going to really catch on with people so i think it definitely has a lot of like radio potential in that regard but it's just a fantastic song There's a lot of nostalgia to this track. I think the the Biggie and M2A reference is key on point. Yeah. The the drum tracks through this whole song, including the outro, and like he switches it up in a bunch of cool ways. Mm. But but I just it just feels so intricate. And I'm not an expert in this by any means. But it just feels like he's just putting on a clinic of of dope drum sounds. Yeah. Um, and there's a point like where. I think I think the uh, the synths kind of swell and then they they ebb away mm-hmm. and somehow in that transition he had like uh, transitioned to like bongo drums without even like and I was just like whoa where did those come <laughs> from like. <laughs> He, he, it's, it's almost like an illusionist, like misdirection. Like he made you focus on another part of the music, switched up the drums without you really noticing, and then and, uh, and then when once the other things clear away, when the smoke clears, it's like you're just left with a, a different part of this cool beat that I was yeah. really into. That's dope. And the the way the song ends, it goes into this like coda that I, I really like, and I almost wish that it was mm. longer and kind of explored just a little bit more because it kind of feels like. I don't know, just a, maybe just too short of an outro if you gave me like another 30, 45 seconds. Number seven on this album is called On Track. And I'm going to say two things right up top. I fucking love this song. <laughs> and... Let me just play this intro. This is on the second half, though, Nick. You're not allowed to love this. Well, this is uh, the peak of the album. (laughs) Everything's all downhill from here after this one, in my opinion. But let me play this for you. I'll give you... I have so many reasons why I love this song, but here's one. So here's here's on track. So there's that intro, right? The moment that comes in, I love the sound of it, and it reminds me so much of... 
the city round the clock. For everybody needs you. Immediate Frank vibes for me, and I love it. But also, when you go back to on track, I love the way it kind of teases this weird little intro and then completely ditches it and goes a totally different direction because it also feels very Frank Ocean. Yeah. <laughs> so I get a lot of Frank vibes right at the top of this track, and I really like it a lot. How do you guys feel about this song? No, I I mean, I, I it's another one of my favorites, I think, on here. I, I love that um, this is like one of the optimistic, it's like a very optimistic track. I love the sentiment of like still trending upwards, even though, uh, even if like missteps are frequent. Yeah, I connected with the, the song quite a bit, actually. And speaking of Happy Tears, is probably the closest I got to to that on the, on the record. I love that chorus. It's not like a catchy hook, like a pop song. It's more of a, like kind of a ballad or something, you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's, there's, there's more of a kind of emotional. Like mantra feeling or something. Yeah, or something. exactly. Strictly speaking, I'm still on Strictly speaking, I'm And I love the way he sings the first line and then you get that 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 strong downbeat mm. it's like your heart hitting the floor or something Absolutely. like I, I just love it just emotionally yeah. grounds it yeah to me like the lyrics of this you say it's optimistic and it, I, I agree but I also feel almost like it's it's like trying to be optimistic against all odds to me it sounds like he's trying to convince himself as much as anyone else that he's like still still on track so I love that there's it's optimism tinged with like this kind of sad <laughs> like I'm just doing my best man yeah. you know it's, yeah. it's so and that that's kind of like right on my wavelength of <laughs> anytime I'm happy it's like I'm barely yeah. holding on. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, this is often how I feel. It's like sometimes the fact that you just woke up this morning means that you're still moving forward, mm. you know? Uh, like, even if you didn't accomplish anything yesterday, like, you live another day, so, like, strictly speaking, I'm doing all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Sometimes you need those little, like, kind of loopholes and justifications to, like, keep yourself moving forward. And so, like, this song to me felt almost, almost like you're even... You have to be in denial sometimes of all the bad stuff to like focus on the positive aspects. Yeah, this song feels like a justification, a negotiation mm. with himself, a denial, a technicality. I like it's like a hopeful attempt to speak something into existence, and I super duper love it. This is my favorite song on the album by wow. a mile. Wow! Wow! Well, take that. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> yeah, I mean. I think both of what you guys said pretty much sums up like my thoughts on this. I just like a, another addition. I I really felt like this song kind of brought Kevin back down to earth in some ways. Like as we progress through this album, you have this, you know, like this amazing sound. And I think a lot of people in general, when you think of, you know, Tame Impala, it's like this super successful, huge band. And like the lyrics are talking, you know, it seems to be talking about him like not really finishing his album on time and like he i know he was supposed to release his album in august or something like that and then he's like didn't get it done and like all of these all of these things yeah. that make him as he is you know a real person and just like i'm not this like mega star that or like he is a mega star obviously but like he's also a real person i i, I liked that about this yeah. track as well 
Great. And there's lots of notes about that theme throughout the yeah. whole album, right? He's like, because definitely after Currents, that's when Tame Impala really blew up, right? right? And so a lot of what you see here is five years later, he's still trying to kind of reckon with his identity after achieving mega yeah. fame, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and and what you just yeah. said is perfect in terms of, I'm just a, I'm just a dude, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and I connect with that because I'm super famous <laughs> and well-known. No, but I think, I think, Nick, what you're saying is so true. It's like, I almost feel like this song speaks directly to people like kind of our age, like that, like 26 to maybe 32, 33 creative type person. Yeah, dude. Who's like, and that's him, you know, and obviously he gets into that later in in the song too, but I don't know. It's super relatable. I mean, totally like the, the, you're not in college anymore. You've been, you've been working for a while. Like you're, you're. You're doing, you're real, you're doing real adulting stuff mm-hmm. like that. This is the song about a guy. It, it sounds like a conversation I would have with my parents. <laughs> like, no, yeah. Like, you know, technically I'm doing yeah, great. Like, I'm, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, totally. I love that. So it's yeah, great. this, this, this song, I think you, you said it best. It's, it's totally speaks to people around our eight, late twenties, early thirties, like still trying to figure life out. Yeah. <laughs> that's just, that's me, baby. <laughs> On to track number nine, uh, titled, Is It True? Another real dancey one. I have one note, and it just says, bass line. <laughs> yeah, another great bass line. I, I really dig the, the chorus on this song and, like, his delivery. Um, it's got some hand claps in there. Uh, it reminds me a bit of, I think I've mentioned them on this, on the pod before, but a band called Salt, S-A-U-L-T, um, just the sound is so so groovy if you haven't listened to the album seven by salt go do yourself a favor it was actually one of those uh the tracks is on my little uh 28 for 28 oh nice um and it was also in my in my you know top albums of the year last year but um they're kind of a mysterious band uh from the uk but this one not the not the synth part of this song but but like specifically the beginning and the feel of it definitely remind me of them it's another it but it's yeah it's another one of my favorite tracks and there's a good amount of room to breathe on the instrumentation i think yeah well that's a good note because i think one of his great skills is being able to layer a lot of things skillfully anytime he lets a track breathe i think it's just like a nice break in in the way he uh, faces production yeah I love that section right there. Just that, that switch the up feel. With the, with the yeah, the vocals. feel and like the layering. I mean, I guess on the production side, like Kevin has been on record saying like, you know, some of his songs have hundreds and hundreds of layers of tracks, which is right. completely mind blowing um, to think about. And, you know, it, it's it's pretty apparent like when that part comes in and it's just like this wall of like all these textures and sounds um i think it's i think it's great but i i did think it was interesting he didn't he say that he finished this song like seven hours before he sent the album off to master to master yeah Yeah. really like this was the last song that he finished and then sent it off so yeah another thing you were talking about the layered uh or how many layers there are on some of these tracks but he was uh saying 
just like thinking about how they're gonna play this this album uh, live like he was talking about how he didn't really have he doesn't really have a full grasp on that during the recording process like right. he thought about that more so in previous albums in this one he was just kind of like just flowing with ideas and not not really thinking about like how they're going to piece this together in a live setting which i think is interesting because yeah I'm, I'm wondering what they're on some of these tracks kind of what how they're going to play them yeah i mean definitely like when i think about on track which is my favorite like i think doing something stripped down for something like that could be very moving and cool yeah but that also doesn't seem like mm-hmm. his style so i don't, I don't yeah know. It's t- i think it's tougher now that he's in in the uh the huge festival stage with right. um a focus on production value and and lights and stuff that those things are maybe a little bit harder to strip back but i agree with you though track number 10 is called it might be time so this track is another another single that that was released and I think the drum sounds on this song are just crazy. So crazy. I love the drums on the hook. Just like yeah. grabs my face and For sure. thrashes around <laughs> like a rabbit dog. <laughs> I think the biggest thing about that is like the snare and this kind of like the it's kind of just a drum or a kick drum and then a snare which i love the snare by the way i wish i could have that snare audio file and use it but the snare is like really the drums are like kind of pulled back a little bit and then you get the the wall of just drums and kill bill siren and like just (laughs) <laughs> I don't know. I I think this was definitely my favorite single of the singles that I've heard. Um, yeah, and is still like a highlight on the album for me as far as like a replay, like any situation I would throw this on and groove to it. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I don't know how I feel about this album because I do like this song. Well, that's why I was laughing when you said <laughs> the second half of the album kind of dies out for you because I was like, dude, that's like. I think this is maybe one of the more like I guess you could say epic or like punch you in the face kind of i don't know what do you what, what do you think yeah no i'd agree like i think it's um it's a very yeah. big sounding song it is a little it's only worn on me a little bit over time just because i've heard it so much before before the album came out which is we were talking about the single sing earlier but i do wish that i did not listen to this as much beforehand i feel like i already know a lot of the ins and outs and um but i could see i could see childish Gambino on this song. Yeah, just those those keys. Yeah, it sounds very sober or something. It is, yeah, that's what it reminds me of. Track number eleven is called "Glimmer." "Glimmer" leads into track number twelve called "One More Hour," which is the final track on the album. And I'm going to amend my earlier statement and say that this is where this whole album goes downhill. <laughs> really. Um, I really am not that into this song, hmm. but who knows? Let's listen to it now and let's see if it changes. <laughs> oh, do we have a strong disagree from youtube.com slash how much beats? I can see why you would feel that way. <laughs> <laughs> so diplomatic. Um, all right. Well, how about let's you guys a make a pitch to me? What's, what's, so what's so great about this song? <laughs> Yeah, no, I think it's a really, really nice, like, final statement, and it works, like, I don't think it would have worked anywhere else on the album, but it's just so, 
big sounding. Like I think it's like a big final statement that I I think plays out in a really really cool way. It's not like a super. I mean, it's, the structure of the song is very different from like a typical pop song or like a lot of the other songs on on here. So I, it's definitely a different listening experience. But I do I I love kind of the different changes and like the acoustic guitar kind of comes in at the end uh, again. But it reminds me almost of like a like a Queen song and and yes. its structure and yeah. its changes similar to how like bohemian rhapsody because it's kind of a weird structured in a weird way but became kind of like a big track for them obviously right i would say i think a lot of people would argue that this is one of the stronger out al- like it's i think it's plenty of people's favorite song on the album really yeah i don't like it as much <laughs> that's fair I think that kind of driving the, those high pitched keys, bump, 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 yeah. bump, they cause me so much anxiety. <laughs> I don't okay. know why. Like, does it remind you of like a psycho maybe, thing or something? Yeah, I think the rest of the the sounds that are be, they're built around it, the dun, the the big heavy mm-hmm. parts would be better served without that that driving keys yeah. thing because it really, for whatever reason, <laughs> it just it's, it's like shrilly. It is kind of shrilly. It, it kind of clashes in my brain for for whatever reason and so it's it just grinding up yeah. against my brain in a weird way something about this final track just well you only got half the pitch go ahead derek <laughs> <laughs> well i think so brandon talked about the instrumentation i think this is an incredible album closer because it comes full circle like he's talking about this transformation that has taken place and you know he he says like i did it for this i did it for that and then he basically is like i didn't do it for like not for her not for my future children until now and then you just get this like epic synth in your face and he's basically like i'm married now like i'm going to have kids in the future at least this is what the way that i understood it and he's kind of like as long as i can still be the man that i am as long as i can still spend some time alone like i'm really excited for this next season in my life and i think that that ties everything back into this concept of time obviously is him even further explaining you know like the intimate details of his personal life in a lot of ways i feel like this song could almost be like therapeutic for him like He's not really thinking about the listener. He's just like writing this and being so involved in the creative process. And it like happens to be on the album, which I think is really cool. But yeah, how is it like that stream of conscious like vibe to it? Consciousness vibe. Yeah. Um, that's one of my least favorite parts <laughs> about the, the, just like when he's yeah. listing stuff. I don't know. It's just, I, I don't, it, it, nothing about hmm. it captivated me, but I will, I'll get, I'll throw you guys a bone. <laughs> I'll give you something. <laughs> I do appreciate the end of this song, especially when, when it gets very heavy. I mean, it, it, it's it's almost like, uh, <laughs> I think of like Fantasia where Mickey Mouse <laughs> is like force, force uh, uh, pulling waves out of the water or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, That's so funny. So so it's it's almost chaotic at times, right? It's, it's just very mm. aggressive. And then by the end, it, it switches up. Let's see, where does it? It really sticks to that to that. Um, <laughs> Can't that, get that over keys the keys, part. man. I, I, it just it bugs me. But from like the five twenty mark, um, I, I I do appreciate the way he takes it from this chaos and this aggressive uh, soundscape to finding some harmony. Right, both musically yeah. and lyrically, because he starts talking about. It, it sounds like it, a lot of the song is about like 
his wife or his life in general, but also like he he's like newly mm-hmm. married, right? Mm-hmm. And so like it's it's he's in this place of like moving forward together with her and despite whatever doubts they have or he has had and what other people say and so i do appreciate the switch up on this one for the kind of thematic harmony that he finds and i only hope that 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 he's doing good It does have like that fade out at the the end is a really I think cool element and it, it fits into the whole theme of time of the album. Yeah, and I think the the intro song they mirror each other and entitled there's one more year to start off and then one more hour at the end and I thought that was a I think they're both I think the intro is a great intro and I think the the last song is Again, I, I couldn't imagine it being anywhere else on the album. I hadn't really thought about why this album is called The Slow Rush until this moment, and I'm wondering if it has something to do with... Obviously, this whole thing is about time and, and life, right? All, all a life is is the amount of time you have and how you use it. Fair? Yeah. So, The Slow Rush, the idea that life is like this rush of events that happen slowly... <laughs> In yeah. a weird way, like, yeah. and it, it, you know, because sometimes you you hear the phrase "life's too short," and that's true. But sometimes people say life's really long, and it's also true. So, like this idea of a slow rush that's kind of contradictory and such as life, right? Yeah. Final thoughts, Council? Yeah, I think, at least for me, that this is a, a really strong album that I'm going to continue to to listen to. I think that maybe similarly with Currents, like my initial listen, I didn't have as much stick as subsequent listens. And so I hope that I keep getting more from this down the road. And to me, it's, it's pretty easy to listen to. I, I am really curious moving forward what else he will will do and who else he'll produce for, you know, what those tracks will sound like, but also how this catches on, uh, like what becomes the more popular songs from, from here. And, um, yeah. Yeah. I think in general, this is a fun exercise for me because I've never actually, I guess, taken a critical analysis of an album. Like I have this one for this podcast. Um, usually when I listen to an album, I basically decide, you know, one, does it inspire me? Two, how does it make me feel? And so I guess in the uh, the Derek terms, I will say 10 out of 10 in both of those. I feel great listening to it, and I feel super inspired. And um, so for me, I'll definitely return to this one. Yeah, I loved it. That's cool. Yeah, I feel that I have... I mean, I guess I've always been one to kind of dis- try to dissect. Like, I just remember hours like on my floor pulling out the little uh, lyric booklets and like going through songs that way so there's always been like an element of that but i think the practice of actually taking notes and stuff like going through and analyzing these uh the albums that we've done on the podcast is a it's a really fun exercise i don't think that they're all meant to do this this sort of uh, analysis for but but yeah it's been a cool that whole process i think has been fun i enjoy doing that for yeah for the pod. to anyone yeah, listening for i definitely sure. encourage you to do that at least at some point 
you know, just sit down, grab some coffee, and listen through an album, read the lyrics, and try to try to dissect it because it's been a been a really fun exercise for me specifically for this episode. Yeah, man. Thanks for it's been uh, it's been awesome having you on. Thanks for joining us today. Yeah, dude. So I mentioned my one happy tears moment uh, earlier, but to recap, it's uh, it was during Posthumous for Forgiveness, the song about his dad, specifically the lyrics right at the end, man, where where he says, you know, want to play you all my songs, learn the words, sing yep. along, yeah, single tear rolling down my eye. <laughs> um, I really love the song on track. Um, I didn't have like an actual crying tears moment with it, but, yeah. But that song, for whatever reason, just like spoke to me so deeply and so so uh, it's worth a mention here at the end any happy tears moments for you or at least things that uh, you connected with the most yeah i mentioned it a little bit uh, earlier but just the closest thing is is you know they were creeping on on track and i think that's because of the sentiment of the song but um i think that's upheld by like a, a really just really nice instrumentation that you that kind of invites you in my favorites i think on here are one more year uh, breathe deeper on track is it true and then uh, one more hour how about for you Derek? Uh, wow you pretty much said yeah i pretty much agree with that as far as favorite tracks um uh, yeah i mentioned i guess earlier uh, posthumous forgiveness was probably my like on the Derek scale of happy tears that or i guess in this case sad <laughs> tears of course. like it, of course. this got to me yeah. especially when he was talking about like talking to mick jagger on the phone and like oh i wish i could tell my dad that i talk to i'm assuming he it yeah. was one of his heroes so like that's just like to me that right yeah it was that got to me yeah yeah as far as favorite tracks um i mean breathe deeper has definitely been probably the one i've returned to most though after dissecting it i think on track is probably like my favorite as far as like directly relating to it as a person that's right in the middle and that's where we all converge yeah. and feel the same about the same track <laughs> we feel on track yeah <laughs> strictly speaking youtube.com slash homage beats Derek simpson thank you so much for doing this with us your uh obviously your technical uh knowledge and and uh just your uh strong music background made you perfect for this episode and you fucking <laughs> killed it <laughs> i i mean i appreciate that um you know i I relate to Kevin in a lot of ways because in in his Zane Lowe interview, he said, like, yeah, I still feel like I'm just kind of trying to figure it out. Like, I don't really know what I'm doing, per se. So I could really relate to that <laughs> as uh, as far as my craft goes. But thank you for having me on. It was fun to talk about this and uh, super, super dope conversation. Enjoy it. Wish I was there in person, but uh, this will have to do. And um, yeah, great chatting with you guys. All right. Cue that homage beat. Thank you for listening to Happy Tears. Happy Tears is produced by Nick Melita and Brandon Henry. Special guest this episode, Derek Simpson, a.k.a. Homage. You can find us online at happytearspod.com and on all the social media. Rate, review, and subscribe. We have a nice little playlist called Happy Tears Mixtape on Spotify. Go follow that. We throw songs that we cover and recommend from the podcast. I'm going to throw it over to Derek, and he gets to choose the song that we throw on there from the album we just covered. I'm definitely going to have to go with Breathe Deeper. Definitely think it was the 
probably my favorite track on the album as far as uh, the groove and the feel. So go go listen to that on the Happy Tears playlist. Derek, why don't you tell the people who you are and where <laughs> we can find your music? Yeah, so I'm Homage Beats on YouTube, also on Spotify, Apple Music, and pretty much everywhere streaming under the artist name Homage, H-O-M-A-G-E, if you want to check out more of what you've heard from the the theme song here and uh i'm also on socials as well homage beats say what's up beautiful that was homage i'm nick i'm brandon Farewell.